Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Downstage with Brian and Hayden. Um, Hayden, how was your week? It was good, yeah. Pretty good weekend. We got some great stuff from DC Fandom, which we're going to be talking about. Got some uh, fun hot takes there on Hot Takes with Hayden. Uh-huh. <laughs> which may not be a nuke segment. Uh, my week was all right. Uh, I mean, I mean, literally, this whole podcast is just my hot takes. So. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's your research stuff, and then it's just me. It's just... Just you. It's like the smile and the nod, the smile and the nod. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, um, my week was good. Uh, I finally, I finally watched Halloween Kills. I didn't not go to movie theaters yet to watch it. Uh, I had a busy week uh, just working overall, so you know it's one of those type of weekends for me. And but I watched it on Peacock, and I will say that Peacock did bring. Uh, a nice little levity in terms of not only promotion and also just a general sense of uh, a great presentation for the most part. Uh, not only that, uh, right before last week during uh, Monday Night Raw, we actually had a uh, Chucky promo. Uh, no, there was actually two Chucky promotions. Uh, there was a, pro- a promotion for the show, Chucky, which was excellent, by the way, and especially for the first episode, because the first episode is always like, yeah, that, that, that's the thing about when you're watching shows, the first episode always has to, you know, uh, sell, you know, set everyone in. But this is Chucky. We all know who Chucky is. Uh, you know, it's going back to his hometown, the Packenshack, New Jersey. So, and stuff like that too. And, but the first promotion I saw for Chucky was, uh, him watching Monday Night Roar and then suddenly like, you know, I love this whole violent thing and just those clips of the show. But the other promotion that I believe, Helped Halloween Kills was uh, uh, Chucky doing a uh, jack-o'-lantern, and then Michael Myers is walking up to him, and then just stabbing a jack-o'-lantern, and, goes, and, and then the, the two of them just have like a little quip against each other. Well, not Michael Myers, obviously, but <laughs> Chucky has a quip against Michael Myers, and then it shows off clips of uh, you know Halloween Kills. And I think it did actually work in Peacock's favor that not only did Halloween Kills made a killing at the box office it made like over but a cheddar. It, it made a lot of cheddar uh close no, no, no i was doing the but a chat thing because you're saying oh. howling kills killed at the yeah box. yeah but uh, aside from the fact that you know critics didn't seem to enjoy it i don't mm. know why uh yeah i've seen some mixed responses from uh from some people from that film as well yeah they, they, uh, the fans and the fandom and the and the critics have been saying it, it's been a very mixed bag mm. uh and i think it's just the just the narrative of just having it more of a uh more i wouldn't say adult but more like mature themed uh Halloween movie where it's just not about oh it's just Michael Myers just doing hacking and slashing uh Hanfield and killing teenagers and stuff like that too. It's it's dealing with a lot more trauma and uh social issues and uh like the fact that one of the characters it, it this isn't really a big spoiler, but one of the characters mis- is mistaken as Michael Myers and is uh accosted by essentially a mob uh, a mob Full mob fueled town, and yeah, it's actually a very sad part to watch because you just see this guy, just like seeing his psyche just like break down and just like essentially just break down just like considerably, and it's like one of the most saddest scenes to be put in a like Halloween, uh, the film franchise, and it's and that's not a franchise known for like tear jerking scenes, like if like when you think of Halloween, you're like oh you're not gonna cry, right? like no you just gotta watch you know. Uh, teenagers and people getting murdered by Michael Myers, but no, this one actually made you feel. And yeah, it's like, but yeah, Halloween Kills made a killing in the box office and made like over fifty-five million dollars, I think, or at least close to sixty million dollars. Mm-hmm. And yeah, compare that to like say other, uh, compare that to that the movie that we were just talking about maybe a few weeks ago, The Last Stole with. Uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Adam Driver, that made, I don't think it made even that much of a dent in the box office because it was clo- it was basically a box office bomb. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that might have been because it was an, a limited release too. So, you know, mm. Really? They limited release that one? I believe so. I don't know if it, mm. because I don't remember, like, aside from maybe a couple of TV, you know, TV ads, I don't remember hearing, like, if it was in very big theaters or anything else. 
Um, but then, then again, you know, I live in New York, and New York doesn't have that many theaters. I'm like, it has theaters open, but it's like it doesn't have that many uh, mm-hmm. big places open, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, theaters are back open in New York. It's just that, you know, it's like there's still like some of the places don't have that many movies showing in that, you know, in some mm-hmm. of those theater places, especially, you know. Uh, but, yeah, it's like Halloween made a very good uh, over, like, Halloween made a very good up. Uh, you okay there? <laughs> The chair is squeaking. <laughs> yeah, this freaking chair. <laughs> yeah. If you hear that in the background, that's just Hayden's uh, old creaky chair. You know, perfect for Halloween. You know, perfect for uh, October. Hopefully, <laughs> by, you know, hopefully by no- in November he has a uh, uh, new chair. So <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, no, no promises. <laughs> no promises. But yeah, uh, Halloween made a. Uh, you know, it didn't exactly get the amount of money that the original uh, that the first that the first movie Halloween 2018 made which was like a lot of money because remember this was you know pre-pandemic but this actually essentially made box office records because of the pandemic and stuff like that too especially since it was a hard R movie and the last movie that really broke the the box office thing in terms of like this box office success was probably Shang Chi or maybe uh, Let There Be Carnage. Both TG thirteen movies, but this being a rated R movie, especially in the pandemic of COVID, you know, it definitely felt like oh, you know, even though people are like oh, it'll probably make like you know fifteen million or twenty million something like that, but making like close to sixty million per, you know, <laughs> over the weekend, like close to sixty million, well, fifty five million. But yeah, close to sixty million over the weekend. You get the sensation. It's like, oh, you know, it's like sometimes traction. You know, yeah, traction. If you're going to see a movie theater, I mean, a movie over the weekend, and then the 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 box office traction because of the pandemic is like, oh, it's got to make maybe five million or ten million over the over the weekend, and then suddenly it makes oh, you know, close to like eighty million over the weekend. I was like, okay, maybe you're not supposed to listen to these traction, especially if it's like a slow weekend too. Because mm-hmm. you know, aside from uh, you know, aside from Let There Be Carnage and No Time to Die, two big movies, there wasn't really that many uh, big releases out. And uh, Halloween Kills was like one of the big releases that was coming out, you know, regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like its only competition would be um, Last Duel, but it, it's not that much of a competition in terms of like you know, uh, release coming out at the same time. Yeah, and the, you know, this weekend uh, Dune is coming out, and that's uh, that's just gonna be a dual release on both uh, HBO Max and and you know movie theaters too. And mm-hmm. Dune is like like Dune is gonna be hopefully a big box office success, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's me knocking on wood, so it's like, that's not hating shit, that was just me uh, knocking on wood. But, <laughs> because I do want Dune to be a, a big success, because, you know, the last movie that came out, Dune, was not the, the, the 1981 movie, or 19, no, it was 81 or 82, mm-hmm. but there was a uh, sci-fi channel uh, miniseries that was based on the Dune book, so and okay. that was like the last thing that actually came out with that, you know, uh, stamp. And Dune is like one of those type of big movies that you, you just do want to see because, the, you know, there hasn't been that many uh, big sci-fi epics since, you know, well, well, big fan- sci-fi fantasy epics that isn't essentially Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, or something to, you know, something mm-hmm. that's uh, like four areas where it's like the very big grand scale movie has a lot of like well-known actors mm-hmm. Uh, it's coming from a, a, a very exceptional, great director. Uh, Zahan Zimmer, of course, is uh, scoring the music, so you know it's going to be a very jabroni type of movie. But at the same time, he's got to be, be very like, Whoa! like that type of like. Yeah. And, and, as, and as someone who isn't familiar with Dune, just watching the trailer and just seeing the visuals, like yeah, like I, I think I think it is going to be. I think it's going to do great in the box office because I, I, something I, like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because this is the movie that has been getting hyped up for a while now beforehand because, you know, it's supposed to come out before a pandemic. Yeah. But because now with the, tra- the trailers happening, you know, coming out, people seeing what it looks like visually, I, I think people are going to be convinced that, yeah, this is going to be good and I got to go see this thing. Yeah, and hopefully I'll see it in the movie theater, hopefully during the weekend, maybe Friday, I'm not sure. Uh yeah, just make it a double feature. Just since you had to see Halloween Kills on Peacock, you could go see Halloween Kills and Dune in theaters. 
I thought you were gonna say go, go see the last duel, the last duel, and then do, Dune. <laughs> the last Dune. <laughs> the last Dune. <laughs> but yeah, yep. this is the first and last Dune. <laughs> no sequels. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I could actually do a double feature, but I'm not sure because the last time I did a double feature was for like years ago for Grindhouse, and that was only because they were doing two. Uh, that was they were doing both uh, Death Proof and uh, Planet Terror at the same time. So it was like, so being in a and I know Dune is like close to three hours, so I'm like, I don't know if I can make it a th- close to three hour movie just watching mm-hmm. the thing, especially especially with uh, my attention span and everything. So. I might just like figure out if I want to see everything in the theaters or not. And but yeah, uh, this past weekend was pretty good overall for the movies. But uh, in terms, and then we had the DC fandom. I'm sorry, fandom. I keep th- I keep saying I keep thinking it's the DC fandom, but even though it's like it's the fan, and then it's like dome because everything was supposed to be on a dome and everything. But but yeah, um, like it, f- fandom. Just with just fandom without the e. Yeah, it's a, it's a very it's like, yeah. a very odd word uh, odd word to talk about that. But but before we talk about that, a word from our sponsors. No. <laughs> we got sponsors now. No. <laughs> I wish. But yeah, uh, before we talk about the, that, there was actually a big and mentioning Star Trek before one of the big stories last week was that William Shatner. Uh, famous for playing Captain Kirk, went up in, into space uh, as the first oldest civilian in space, essentially is, I think the title is, or something like that. But he is one of the oldest people to be in space for a brief period of time, and that was only because, and that was because of, um, what was that? I don't know, uh, I, I forgot the name of the program, but I think it's probably Jeff Bezos' uh, civilian like program or something like that to get people into space and stuff like that too, but he more or less uh, was in space for like I think ten minutes, fifteen minutes. I forgot how long it was, but and then came back down. But it was like, oh, yeah, people were like, oh man, William Shatner was in space, and they, you know, a lot of people were making jokes to the fact that you know, you know, Shatner, everyone else was just registered again with him or something like that, and you know, Shatner's not gonna be macking um, on some alien babe or something like that. So, and but, I, I saw like one funny image where it was like um, Shatner in the spaceship, and then the. Like on the outside, it was like uh, like a Star Wars battle. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like crap, wrong universe. But yeah, the it, it, to be like William Shatner now is amazing because the man is like ninety is like ninety years old and he's still like kicking ass and and just being William Shatner at all. But of course, you know, being William Shatner does also reunite old feuds and one of the old feuds that he had was with George Takei and. Joyce K, I believe, tweeted out that Shatner is a fat guinea pig for doing this or something to that effect. So, yeah. Hayden, what is your take on Joyce K's comments on on Shatner being a quote-unquote fat guinea pig? Yeah, like, so first off, this is basically the first time hearing about it, because, like, I, this is just the kind of rivalry I just don't pay attention to, because I just don't pay attention to a lot of the, like, rivalries or whatever, a lot of the, you know, stars whatever have with each other. It, it's just, like, it, how it's been so long. Just end the feud, dude. Like, does it matter anymore? Like, honestly, what's the point? Like, you're both, you're, like, George. You and Shatner are both pretty old dudes. You just are. What's the point of keeping this feud going? What's the point? That, that's just all. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It wasn't a fat guinea pig. He called him an unfit guinea pig. Well. Knowing George Takei, he probably wanted to call him fat, but I was like, eh, you know what? He's he's an unfit guinea pig. Hmm. So yeah, uh, oh, it was it's the blue the blue origin capsule, or hmm. that, that that that's what uh, that's hmm. what uh, Bezos thing is called. Ah, here's his full quote: He's hmm. a guinea pig, ninety years old, and it's un and it's important to find out what happens. So ninety years old is going to show a great deal on the more wear and tear on the body, and he's going to be a good specimen to study. Although he is not the Fittest is specimens at nine years old, so he'll be a specimen that is unfit. <laughs> it's it's just amazing to see that you know Shanner and JK and probably the rest of the surviving uh, performers of Star Trek, their original series. You know they may have had their differences in the past, but it's like no matter what they, they you know they will always snark at each other regardless. So it's just 
interesting to always watch them always snark at each other or badmouth each other, and then they're like, and then five minutes later, it's like, good job, good job. Mm. I gotta say, what was actually more interesting than that was when they landed and they're getting off the, you know, the, the, the space shuttle and whatever. Yeah. And uh, William Shatner's having this kind of like that moment that happens to people sometimes when they go up into space where they see the planet and then they're like, wow. They, yeah. This is so small in the vastness of everything. And then it kind of just get like kind of gives them this clarity. Yeah. And like, he's trying to, you know, talk to Jeff Bezos about like, you know, what he was experiencing and that kind of like, you know, and kind of explained to him. And, and then like literally everyone in the background just like partying and Jeff Bezos is just like, oh yeah, give me that champagne. Yeah. It's just spraying champagne. It's like, <laughs> It's like it's like it's one of those things too where it's like easiest way to kind of tell if someone is, is essentially like a psychopath or sociopath is if they can go up into space and not have this kind of realization that man like look at our planet like that's all we got and yeah. we, got, we gotta like you know we gotta keep this thing safe yeah. you know he's just like no let's, let's just party let's make it a tourist industry <laughs> yeah I actually saw the video that you're just describing and yeah well. The other, like, three uh, civilian astronauts, I think they were civilians, but the other two, the three people in the pod were like, you know, oh, we're just, you know, floating around all this stuff, making, you know, it's general space thing. Meanwhile, there's Jenner, he's literally holding on and then holding on to something because, yeah, I think he doesn't want to, like, float away and <laughs> float away, in, you know, like, literally float away into the weaknesses of space. But as he's holding on, he's literally he's like, no, I don't, I don't want to float near, I don't want to float near Bezos. Keep me away from him. <laughs> But as he's holding on, he's actually looking out, and he, and you could just see he is like in awe of just seeing Earth, like from the view that he is like literally there. And I would imagine like being not only an actor who has played or you know played spaceman or something like that, and then suddenly just being uh, in space, like not you know like years later, and actually seeing what space looks like. I mean, seeing Earth from space, I would imagine it being like uh, like a very awe-inspiring moment. And, exactly. And the and and this also needs to, to and this and also <laughs> when Shatner came back to Earth, they were probably tweeting about it, and I just saw this picture of this bald guy with Shatner. I was like, oh, cool, Patrick Stewart was there to greet him. <laughs> and then and then I realized, and then as I was like, I know, and as I was. <laughs> And as I was re- re- reading everything, I'm like, oh, shit, that's Bezos? Come on, man. <laughs> so this, this, this big ball guy just hugging him like, oh, sweet. Uh, uh, like Patrick Sue was there to greet him. And then some of the, oh, son of a bitch is Bezos. <laughs> son of a bitch, Bezos. <laughs> it's like, it's like now just imagine like the movie about Bezos with Patrick Stewart's playing him. <laughs> At least Patrick Stewart would give him gravitas. Yeah, more gravitas than he has in real life, <laughs> which isn't much. Like literally, when Bezos was like in the spaceship the first time going into space, he's not looking out the window. No, he's just playing with shit in the space in the, in the shuttle. Like, dude, you're in space. Just look out the freaking window. <laughs> just stop playing with stuff for a minute and look out the window. Look at it. Look, I know you want to play with yourself, but come on, in space. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So, speaking of space, uh, uh, internet is a space, uh, a big, vast space. Um, so, Hayden, uh, let's talk about the DC fandom. Oh, my God, I said it again. The DC fandom. There we go. The, the, so, the words are, like, so close together. Like, even when you say them, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you want to say fandom. Yes, but fandom. Uh, so yeah, uh, the DC fandom, uh, they released so many trailers, uh, coming out for the next year or so, or the next two years, I would say. No, two years. Cause they gave you, uh, they gave us back to, uh, behind the scenes looks of Sazam, Fury of the Gods, Aquaman, Black Adam, uh, and then they gave us trailers for the Batman, the Flash, or not trailer, I wouldn't say it, well, according to Ezra Miller, it wasn't a trailer, it was a Teaser. It was, it, yeah, it was. It was. It, yeah, it was definitely a teaser. And knowing it, and Ezra, and Ezra, Ezra. And, Miller, and Ezra is such a troll that sometimes when you don't know if he's talking about actual thing, and then suddenly he's like, oh. Yeah, he's <laughs> such a troll. He, there's two of him in the movie. Yeah, we didn't know about that. Even though people who have, uh, when people actually, uh, although people who were following the behind the scenes look, it's like, oh, there's two <laughs> Ezra Millers in this movie now. Although one of the, although one of the behind the scene one of the theories it was like oh it wasn't really Ezra Miller it was just basically Grant Gustin 
And people are like, oh, Grant Gustin's got me, you know, getting me the Flash, the movie. And then someone's like, oh, no, it's just two, you know, measures. I'm like, okay. But, and, but yeah, the Batman, uh, the Flash teaser, uh, the behind the scenes looks and teasers for some of the new movies. Um, and of course, the video games too. They, they released two, uh, two full trailers for Gotham Knights and the Suicide Squad, uh, fight the, um, kill the, kill Justice, the Justice League. League. Which looks amazing, mm-hmm. considering this is supposed to be in the same uh, canon as the Arkham games, the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. So, and not only that, they actually brought back uh, Deborah Wilson's Amanda Waller, who was starting like or, or like originating role in like the Suicide Squad, uh, uh, Battle in Arkham, or Assault on Arkham, uh, mm-hmm. like the animated movie, yeah, yeah, and and then suddenly it's like. She's kind of like, they kind of like made her look like more like Amanda Waller. So it's like, mm-hmm. if there's even a, a type of voice, I would imagine being Amanda Waller in either live action or a cartoon, it's like her voice along with CC, Hate Pounder, Viola Davis, and at some point, probably Pam Greer, but Pam Greer's Amanda Waller wasn't really that much of a character on Smallville, but she made a, an impression because it is Pam Greer. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like getting a Richard Brown, uh, Richard uh, Roundtree to play uh, uh, a lieutenant in some cop movie. I was like, hey, you know what? It's it's Shaft. All right, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> you and know, also, and I mentioned CJ's Pounder. I'm immediately like, man, there was such a missed opportunity to not go with her for like live action Suicide Squad because it's like, because everyone's like, yeah, Viola Davis, you got to cast her. I'm like. She's good, but honestly, after watching CCH Pounder in, like, season six and a little bit of seven in Sons of Anarchy, I'm like, honestly, she could do a fantastic Amanda Waller. Yeah, and uh, and also uh, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. too. The, mm. the C origin, uh, yeah, she was on the S.H.I.E.L.D. for a long time, and and it's, it's almost like a demo reel, like, what she could do as Amanda Waller. So it's like, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, you know, it's like, she, you know... Uh, and that's another thing about Amanda Waller in the DCEU is just that they play her too much as a sociopath. And mm-hmm. I think Amanda Waller is like a sociopath, yes, but she's also, mm-hmm. you know, kind of human at the same time. So it's like... Mm-hmm. Like like the Justice League animated series, uh, Justice League Unlimited. I, yeah. Like they got the perfect portrayal of Amanda Waller. Because there's like one scene where it's like Amanda Waller... Like Batman's calling Amanda Waller about like a missile that's going to an island to try and kill Doomsday... Which, while Superman is fighting Doomsday and the rest of the heroes are trying to still evacuate the island, Batman is basically saying, no, like, you know, saying, you you must have done this, you're responsible. And she genuinely had no idea. So then she's immediately like, okay, now I gotta figure out what the hell's going on here, because this is not supposed to happen. Yeah. And... It's like, she does have her human moments, but it's like, they, but they definitely leaned more into kind of playing her like that sort of, um, like, calculating <laughs> sociopath. Yeah, and I think that's probably because of, uh... Ayer's like that's how this is how David Ayer wrote her and then you know mm-hmm. and that's the thing. and then just stuck yeah and just stuck the same way um, Leto's Joker has just been like uh, practically uh, Jared Leto as the Joker so it's like but that's a discussion for another time uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. characters that we hate Jared Leto's Joker. <laughs> but uh, speaking of you know Joker the Batman. I feel like has the same type of atmosphere that they are going with, like, with, like how the, like how Joker was, mm-hmm. uh, presentation wise, mm-hmm. like having a very gleam, not gleam, a very doom and gloomy Gotham City. It's probably, mm-hmm. it's probably maybe set and make maybe the nineties or maybe even some sort of like big seventies, nineties type of, uh, vibe. Cause I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even sure if it's that because it's like, there's nothing so far to indicate that it's like old school tech. Per se, because businesses are keeping so much, you know, in the dark as well as they should. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like the DC, it's like the Batman trailer is like I don't normally, it's like I normally skipped ads when I see a trailer and it's like, oh, it's a trailer that I already seen. Mm-hmm. The ad. And then last night, right before I was eating, uh, right, right before I was eating my uh, dinner, and I have YouTube on, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, about to skip this ad, and then someone's like, oh, Batman ad. I mean, it's a Batman trailer. Might as well watch it again, because mm-hmm. there's something about that trailer that makes it very uh, nostalgic and hypnotic at the same time. Because it is very nostalgic. Because I remember watching the Dark Knight trailer years ago when it first, you know, when it first arrived on the internet, and I was like. Mm-hmm. Watching the same trailer like maybe two or three times or something like that, and this was like you and this was like pre like 
three YouTube rooms. So I would probably go to like Apple, you know, Apple trailers and stuff like that too and watch it from there. And then here I was like, it's literally reminding me of the same time when I would be like watching the Dark Knight trailer and going, yes, that is what I wanted to see as Batman. Yes, 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 yes. And then you have a character like the Riddler being a, uh, like re, interpreted as a serial killer, which, you know, of course has happened in, in the, um, the comics, I believe, mm-hmm. but you have the really like be interpreted as a Zodiac style serial killer. And mm-hmm. this actually does work in the Batman's favor because it does feel like it's a very throwback to a David Fincher, uh, esque uh, movie where it does feel like, you know, if this isn't, you know, the Batman type of thing, it'll probably be something that David Fincher would have directed in, you know, like years ago and stuff like that too. It's also similar, like kind of reminiscent to what like Riddler does in uh, Arkham City, yeah. where he takes a bunch of people hostage, and then Batman has to go to each room after he's gotten enough like of the solved like Riddler puzzles, gotten Riddler trophies, and then has to free the hostages. So, it's yeah. kind of, so I feel like that's kind of also re- reminiscent. But also, I think what it is about the trailer too is that it has that gothic like style of a Tim, like Tim Burton's movies. Yeah. But then it also has the tone storytelling of a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, I was actually while, while also while also delivering way better action than Christopher Nolan ever can. Oh yeah, because Christopher Nolan cannot direct a fight scene to save his life. So oh. it has it is so like the kind of action we saw in okay. the okay. warehouse fight in uh, Batman v Superman. All that amazing choreography. Okay. So it's like we're getting literally all of the best into this movie of the Batman of other Batman movies. Okay, hey, hot take for you. Which has a worse uh, fight scene? The the Jedi Palace. I mean, not the Jedi. Uh, the the uh, what, what is it called? Uh, the um the the sloth. Um, no. Um, <laughs> um, what are you trying to say? <laughs> the sloth. Snoke. Snoke. There we go. Snoke. Okay. The, oh, okay. The Snoke throne room fight scene. Or the fight scene from uh, the Dark Knight Rises where it's like Lily, Batman, and, and Robin fighting against all these thugs, and all of a sudden, as, uh, as Batman is not even five oh, feet... No, oh, not just Batman and Robin, Batman and Catwoman, too. It happens more than once. Okay. So some, of the, some of the fight scenes in the Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. what's your hot take? Which is, like, more badly choreographed? Because there's literally a guy in, in the Dark Knight Rises where it's like, he only just sees Batman, and he literally just, like... He just, yeah. uh, he just like just, he just, oh, just, oh shit! <laughs> Literally, it's me of must have been the wind. <laughs> oh. <laughs> at least in the Jedi, I mean, at least in Snoke's throne room, at least they have some choreograph. I mean, as bad as it is, at least they have choreography, and you know, they are yeah. fighting. Mm-hmm. I think but, the difference is, it's like, well, the biggest, uh, the biggest takeaway is like, like the one-on-one fights are fine. It's when they get the group fights. Oh, yeah. And both definitely suffer from, but, like, I think for Last Jedi, um, because of the fact that they're using these weapons, they're keeping, they're, a lot of them are keeping more distance in between the uh, main characters, so they can get away with doing a lot more flurries. You still notice it, it still looks obvious. Yeah. But you can get away with it a little better. Whereas, like, with, um, you know, The Dark Knight Rises, it's like, okay, the actor Mr. Q is supposed to hit me, they're not coming back, they're not noticing me. Uh, act like I've been hit. Maybe they'll edit a battering or something in post. Just, just, just have hope that maybe they'll notice it and catch it. I'm just reminded of the scene, from, that great scene from Mortal Kombat where Johnny Cage is fighting against all these stuntmen and the stuntman doesn't fall down on time. And then he just looks at it and goes, this is where you fall down. And then the stuntman is like, oh, oh, I got it. And then... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. It's like, I, I just imagine just like someone watching it, like, you know, I imagine... And I don't fret on these stunt guys because I understand, you know, but like Christopher Nolan is not like an actor, an, an action director. I mean, he does does action like kind of like um, amazing when he has to, like mm-hmm. like Inception, like because like it's not just like the fact that it's an action scene; it's how he's being clever with it. Yeah, and uh, like and also because it's a one-on-one fight, so you can. So it's be- it's easier to kind of get the you know choreography and focus because it's just two people. So you're and only going to be concerned with that. Whereas like if it's that group setting, especially when it's like at nighttime as well, and you know you might not notice it because Christopher Nolan uh, films with well film and not so much more digital. Yeah. So it's like with digital you can watch the playback better, but like with um you know film it's like you don't really have that same kind of luxury. Yeah. 
And another thing about Christopher Nolan is like, I, I will say this is like one of the best action scenes in the Dark Knight Rises is when Batman returns and it's just him on the, on the bat pod, like chasing out the Bane. And that's like one of the most fantastic scenes to watch in a Batman movie because it actually does feel like, Oh, you know, you're actually watching a legend, you know, a legend return and, mm-hmm. and, here in Back to the Batman, you know, I don't know what the the gist of why he's going after the Penguin, Colin mm-hmm. Farrell's the Penguin, but him chasing after the Penguin and then going through fire and and stuff like that, and then his mm-hmm. car crashing, and then him just like str- and just like strutting, like he's not even walking, he's just strutting to the Penguin. He's just, he's just he's he's just taking his time. Yeah, he's just like taking all that all that like all the fires behind him and the camera's doing the upside down shot. Like, oh my god, is that like that shot is just a thing of beauty. Yeah. And then like with, and then with having the title fade into Batman as he's walking into it. Yeah, it actually reminds me of the scene from Batman Forever where Batman Lily because Two Face Lily tries to you know burn the Batman alive and then it's like. And then as he's like dancing around, and then you just see Batman just like rushing out of the fire with like uh with determination on on his eyes, and you just see it just like two faces like groaning and angry, it's like oh why can't you just die and just like start doing it that start attacking too. It's like I love the fact that you know Bruce Wayne feels like even though he's supposed to be like two years into his like role as Batman, at least that's what the 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 not the backstory, but the the. Well, that's what the director has said that it's like this yeah, is like his uh, second year essentially. His second year is like you just get the sensation of oh, Batman has found his footing at least in terms of thing. But mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't you know it would be kind of hilarious that he does a lot of this stuff by accident, <laughs> like <laughs> like he doesn't plan you know he doesn't plan this to do it on the whim. He is like it just it's a little as Bob as Bob as the great Bob Ross would say it's just a little happy accident. <laughs> Well, we got a little happy accident here. We got a little uh, truck explosion here. Oh, we're just going to, you know, have that little Batmobile go right through that fire there. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and, oh, uh, actually, this, and, and, and actually, um, also, well, a couple more things on it, because I got, I got so much to say on this trailer. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it is, it is literally an amazing trailer. Like, it is everything a trailer should be, because you get just enough to know what's going on. They never show the Riddler's face, which is, I think, the smartest choice they could do. They just reveal him in like a super clever and honestly a clever way by just having him get arrested at the beginning of the trailer and then the you know camera pans up to reveal the um the question mark in the like his coffee. Yeah. Colin Farrell, like Colin Farrell's gonna be a freaking show stealer. Like just this couple of lines we hear him say, like, hey, take it easy, sweetheart, and Batman's ready to punch him. <laughs> and then just like when the in that explosion when Batman is chasing Penguin and he's just like, ah, ah, I got you! I got you! <laughs> like, he's gonna be such a show stealer, and I'm there for it. Selena Kyle, like, oh my god, like, Zoe Kravitz is gonna do amazing. Like, this just yeah. obvious. Like, she looks like she was, like, made for this role, essentially. Like, she was, like, she was born to play Catwoman. Like, everything I've seen so far. And that, yeah. from that trailer, and the fight choreography, man, that, that is, that is great Batman fight choreography to see. Like, and it's been needed since, like, like, we got, we got a, you know, the Batman warehouse fight scene, that was great. And, but now getting to see more of it and, and like, in all its awe and it, it just looks great. There's going to be a ferocious younger Batman who's still like kind of, you know, essentially who's still more angry, if that makes sense. He's kind of, so he's going to be a little more rough around the edges, but then also we're going to get to see more of that detective work. And yeah. it seems like they're keeping more of that from the trailers because it's like, well, it doesn't get your, it's not going to get your as attention in a trailer. Whereas yeah. when watching in a movie, it's going to have your attention. And, uh, there was one more thing. Uh, oh, oh yeah. So that scene where he's walking down the dark hallway that's only getting illuminated by the like the the, the muzzle flashes of the gunfire, and literally he just like it's his Darth Vader moment. Like he's just walking up, like getting so many bullets shot into him from like automatic weapons, and then he just like casually knocks them all out. Like it, it's it's almost gonna play like a horror movie. Like we're, I think we were talking about this on the other podcast. It's like what if like um like you see Batman from the perspective of the criminals and it's like a horror movie. Yeah. Well, actually, that, that's actually something I've been seeing. Uh, there's there's a great TikToker, uh, Panda Red. He actually did a entire like pitch on what if Batman was a horror movie was based on the POV from the the criminal and mm-hmm. how and how basically the Batman would have been played out like you know. Uh, uh, Gotham Knight, where it's like, it's literally like a different versions of what the Batman will be. It's like, oh, one mm-hmm. version will probably be like, uh, the stereotypical, like, vampire-like figure and stuff like that, too. And another, mm-hmm. you know, 
another person will probably see like the the shadowy figure that that feels like it's a demon and then so, and then stuff, stuff like that too. So yeah, it definitely feels like there's probably gotta be moments where it's like, especially when you're watching the film, where is this guy, where it literally just feels like, oh, this does feel like an actual, uh, horror movie, especially if it's like in the, in the, the POV from the, uh, the, the criminals. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it definitely feels like, I, I do think outside of this and the Flash trailer, which I do want to get into in a couple seconds. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I just have one not, more thing to not, say about the Batman trailer and then I'll be done. Not only the Flash trailer, but also the Black Adam trailer and, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, and the Black Adam like teaser trailer that they showed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'll just quickly say this one last thing for the Batman trailer. That is some of those beautiful, like, camera work and cinematography I have seen in a movie in a long time. And it also is, like, it's not just that it looks great, but it's, like, a director who, and I guess, you know, of course the crew in general, and, like, you know, the film crew, who know how to use colors yeah. in, in your film. Like, every shot looks so beautiful. And because of the superhero movie, you know there's going to be CG background somewhere. But I'm watching this trailer, and I'm like, I don't know if I see any in here. Like, because, you know, we get pretty good at spotting them, especially now because we're so used to... CG backgrounds in movies. I'm watching this trailer and I'm like, I don't think there's a CG background anywhere here. I mean, I know there has to be, but I I just, for the life of me, I've watched this trailer so, so many times and I just, I can't see a CG background. And and that that just, that just goes to show how just amazingly well done they are, they're making this film. And just, and of course, just, you know, this is clearly all the faith I have in this film that, yeah, it's going to be, like, I I, I will, like, this Batman film, I think is going to be one of the best Batman films to ever come out. Yeah, and I do agree with that because Matt Reeves was Matt Reeves. Uh, Matt, well, yeah, Matt Reeves. Reeves. yeah, Matt Reeves is one of the most talented directors ever to come out of film within the past, like say, ten years, fifteen years, past yeah, fifteen yeah. years. And if you watch his work on the the the, the remake Planet of the Apes uh, trilogy, he really he literally made those that trilogy the way it is with those two movies with the uh, war with uh dawn and war of the planet of the apes because without because if you just take in count of rise of the planet of the apes it was like eh, it was okay but mm-hmm. matt reeve was able to really savage what was done in rise and it literally made well him and annie circus were literally made oh and i'm i'm just glad that annie circus is playing alfred even though annie circus mm-hmm. alfred is like an odd casting but Mm-hmm. He does get the role, like yeah. I, I, so he does get the role. It, but, it's, that's something I never would have expected, but I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm here for it too. <laughs> but like Jeffrey, like Jeffrey Wright is uh, Commissioner Gordon. I'm like, okay, I, I'm here for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like uh, Matt Reeves is a talented director and is someone who has, especially for the past like 15 years, like considerably putting out great work, uh, especially as a director too, and. His axe work has been amazing. Like, there's a scene in uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes where, as the apes are like attacking one of the cities, there's a there's a beautiful shot of one of the apes. I I, I believe maybe it's Koba. I'm not sure. Who just gets into a tank and just uses the tank gunner and then starts shooting everything in sight. And you just see the camera like literally stationed on the barrel of the tank. I mean, the, the tank's like a machine gun. So as he, as the monkey is shooting around, shooting the thing, the camera is like literally just spinning around as like literally in that moment. So I'm like, I can't wait to see what like type of camera tricks and treats um, Reeves does in terms of uh, doing this song. Yeah. Now back to the DC EU proper. Uh, they released uh, as, as as I mentioned before, they released uh, teasers or at least behind the scenes stuff for Shazam, Fury of the Gods, Aquaman. Uh, I think what was it? The Legend of the Ten Kingdoms, or something, to, or Legend uh, of- Lost Kingdom. That's what it was. Yeah, Lost Kingdom. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Uh, behind the scenes and a bit of a first look tr- uh, thing for Black Adam. Uh, the same thing with uh, the Flash. And I will say that that the the Black Adam teaser, the Flash teaser, along with the Batman, really did serve the greatness of what DC is priming to do for the next, like, few years. Uh, yeah. Like, these are, these are like, like, basically the greatest hits. Like, before when we got, like, um, Joss Whedon's Justice League, Suicide Squad, it's like, yeah, okay, we got that. And it's like, now we're getting the greatest hits. 
Because that's essentially what I feel like we're lining up with here. Like when, what was it? Like 16 years ago, I believe in 2007 or 2008 or so, that's when The Rock like really wanted to play Black Adam. And then he sort of like was casted like in 2014, like officially casted. He kind of like wanted to be Black Adam like around like 2007, 2008, around that area. And then suddenly around like 2014, he's casted and then he has to, and then we have to wait for Black Adam to really hit theaters because it's got to take a while for not only the story to go into the, to that effect, but the the teaser that they did for Black Adam, I'm like, it, like not only the, is the behind the scenes look so uh, interesting because they have a lot of great actors playing some of these you know famous characters, and they do they're also doing the Justice Society of America, which is essentially the proto Justice League. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like literally, it's the Justice League, but it's literally like the prototype, or at least mm-hmm. like the first version of the Justice League. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you have Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Faith, which is like an amazing casting uh, choice. Uh, Sarah Sarah Sally, I'm probably pronouncing her last name correct, uh, incorrectly. But I'm sorry, but she's playing um, Irish, or yeah, Irish, or. I, th- I think it's like, I think the character's name is Isis in the comics, but I think they're going to call it Iris or something like that to differentiate the fact that, you know, that, you know there's a terrorist group you know, yeah. named Isis. And, you know. I was like, well, it's like, well, this is awkward. Yeah. Uh, I know they did it like, uh, on. I was like, imagine that na- Imagine that character just introducing herself in America. And everyone's just like, you're, you're who now? What? Yeah, it's like, and I know the Legends of Tomorrow did the same thing, where it's like they had to change one of the characters' names, and it's the same character I believe she's like essentially playing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, and then you have the moment of The Rock as Black Adam appear, and then because you you know Black Adam has always been uh, portrayed as like oh the evil Shazam mm-hmm. and stuff like that too, someone who would essentially. Um, rock, like, not to uh, pun over here, but rock uh, Superman to his core, where it's like he really could be Superman's equal in terms of uh, strength, speed, power, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm watching, I'm like, holy, I'm like, this is a another version of where it's like, it feels like a horror movie, where it's like, these people are just like, literally just lamps a little slaughter to Black Adam, who literally just takes one guy, lifts him up into the air, and just literally just zaps him away into nothingness mm-hmm. without really saying, uh, like, it, like a word that would essentially summon lightning and stuff like that, too. And I Yeah, you could say he uh, air-fried him a little too long. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's yeah. too crispy there. And I honestly can't wait to see what they do with Black Adam, because, because The Rock has essentially said that he is, he is like, like a very big anti-hero. He's like, he's a villain, but he's still like a hero type of, like a type of hero that would probably like a not necessarily anti-villain but he's just like a like a, a villain that with hero heroist qualities i think i, would, I think it's a proper term for that yeah but yeah like he, I, I think i think like um um is is injustice 2 i believe it was where you kind of see more of black adam's character and you oh, can, yeah. and they make it clear that's like yeah he just does what he does to protect his home yeah so i feel like um because and again, there's you know not much I don't know about you know Black Adam. Uh, I'm just gonna wait for like you know more teaser, more trailers to come out for that to really kind of you know figure out where they're gonna go with it. But it seems like they're probably gonna go in that direction where it's like he is going to you know as an anti-hero be you know protecting his home from like some invader of some kind. Yeah, with uh, with uh, great in- with great injustice now with uh, essentially uh, with uh, f- furious uh, vengeance and mm-hmm. and all that stuff and. I mean, I'm vengeance. <laughs> uh, and speaking of Batman again, uh, so I grew up with, I'm pretty sure you grew up too with the, the Michael Keaton Batman. Oh, so yeah. He didn't, you know, hearing Michael Keaton, and like, you know, I've, I've heard Michael Keaton before in the movies and stuff like that too, but the moment I was watching the Flash trailer and then hearing Michael Keaton, I'm like, oh my God, he's back as Batman. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it's like a role that he like him and Kevin Conroy are and probably uh, yeah him and Kevin Conroy are like two actors that and and of course Adam West would literally just slip into the role of Batman without without question and but the moment you hear that voice and you just hear him talking to Barry Allen and then you get the sensation of like oh my god he is back and then suddenly it's like you see him behind the scenes uh, you know, like behind the ears and stuff like that too and. Mm-hmm. 
it's like a, it, it's an R, R, an R inspiring shot. And then you just, and then of course at the end of the trailer, they, they give the hint of, oh, it's Batmobile. And then it's like, oh, you don't show the Batmobile. That, that, that was just criminal right there. Like, yeah. come on. Just, it's just like, a couple more seconds. Just give us a couple more seconds so we can see it. And, 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 and excuse me, probably like, uh, yeah, we haven't actually fully CG'd it yet. So, um, if we did show it, it'd just be a big, hunk of green it's like it's like uh, avengers and then it's like that same thing where avengers assemble in uh age of Ultron, where you just have uh captain america going avengers and then cut to credits i'm like Stop. yeah avengers time to clean the toilets but yeah the uh trailers for dc fandom fandom and, and also like i mean and also the fact that like he started like with my king the fact that he started playing um bruce wayne batman when he in you know, his younger years now here he is in his older years playing the Thomas Wayne version of Batman. Like, honestly, how that has essentially come full circle. Well, I don't think he's playing the Thomas Wayne version of Batman. I think he is playing Bat- uh, Bruce Wayne, the one that from the Batman '89. Honestly, I don't know. That just seems odd because it's like I feel like it would just be more fun to see him play that that Thomas Wayne version of Batman now. Hmm. Because it's like we are we've seen him play the you know Bruce Wayne Batman before i feel like it would be much more of a fun stretch to see him play the thomas wayne version because that is a a, a completely different version of the character that i feel like that especially is, with michael keaton's acting chops that would be fun to see him bring to life especially is, with a lot of michael keaton's roles in the last so many years anyway that's true and they are taking after flashpoint too and flashpoint's biggest thing was that barry allen wanted to save his mother from being killed by the reverse flash and then Suddenly, it's like all this stuff that has happened in the DC universe. Suddenly, you know, doesn't have you know a lot of this stuff doesn't happen anymore. Suddenly, Thomas Wayne is alive, and uh, uh, his wife is like the Joker now. So it's like a lot of this stuff has like transpired into uh, an odd alternate universe. So if so, wait, hold on. So Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne are alive, but um, but Bruce Wayne still becomes Batman. No, and wait, what, what, what? I'm sorry, I'm just getting so lost in this right now. So in Flashpoint, Flash goes back to essentially stop his mother's death from reverse Flash, his ultimate, you know, ultimate right, awesome. Yeah. He goes back, he thinks everything is all back to normal, but there's certain things that are off-putting or off, like, off, right? There's Yeah, like, yeah, so like, yeah, Aquaman and Wonder Woman are basically having a war on the planet, and then... Like, instead of, like, instead of Bruce Wayne's parents being killed... Bruce was the one who was shot to death. Right, and, yeah. And Thomas becomes Batman, essentially, you know, the Batman. And mm-hmm. then, it, you know. And then Martha goes insane and becomes the Joker. Yeah, so it, it, I just imagine it's like if they do do that, it's going to be an interesting version. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, if they do bring him and they, like, bring um, Lauren Cohen as Martha and um, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan back. Because they played, um, in the opening shot of Batman v Superman, they played Bruce Wayne's parents. So imagine Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the Thomas Wayne Batman, and then Lauren Cohen as the Martha Wayne Joker. Yeah, so I... Like, I, I, like that would be awesome, and honestly, please do that. Please do it. We want to see Negan against uh, a crazy uh, Maggie. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, it's like, aside from those... Trailers. I, I do think that the, the DC fandom thing was a, a massive success, and 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 this, this yeah, this was their best. And this offer. is something that you actually messaged me yesterday was that youth, and uh, so a, a few Marvel movies were, was actually switched around with their release date. So Hayden, could you uh, explain what movies were switched around next year because of what you believe was because of the the flat, uh, the trailer for the Flash, and also no, the well, really, it's really the Batman because um, when so basically this started with um, uh, Doctor Strange two, so that was supposed to come out in March of 2022, the same month as the Batman movie, but they pushed it back to May, uh, May 4th, I believe it was in 2022 or May 5th, and then in ter- and then when they did that, they basically pushed every movie after that to take the respective release date of the movie it's essentially taking over, so. Doctor Strange took over to the Thor, um, the Thor Love and Thunder release date, and then Thor Love and Thunder took the release date of the next Marvel movie, and then that movie took the release date of the next Marvel movie, and for, like, so many movies, I don't even remember how many there were, I mean, I have to pull up the article, but I'm, I'm lazy. So basically, they kind of pushed everything back to, 
the release dates for the other movies, essentially. And here's the thing. It's like, why would you push back Doctor Strange 2 when you already determined, okay, yeah, we're going to put it out in March. Of course we're going to put it out in March. We've already determined we're going to do that. Because we, ha- because especially with their scheduling, too. Because that's yeah. the thing. It's like, with Marvel movies, because they have so, so, so many... Like, they planned this out so much because they have to. So if you're going to move the release date for one movie like that, and then the fact, in turn, effectively, they schedule all the other movies that be pushed back to replace the release, to then replace and take spots of the other movies, it, it, it definitely means something. Yeah. Especially, and it, and it is, it is smarter on their part too, because it's like, if you're trying to compete with Batman as well, that yeah. is going to be a challenge you'll face. So, like, they definitely made, so they're like, okay, let's put it out in May, because one, like, that's the early summer, it's, you know, going to be a better release date for us. Like, you know, we'll start the summer with this blockbuster movie. Uh, we'll get, we'll be able to get more people. We're not really going to be competing with much of anything in May around that time. Yeah. So, so it's going to be, you know, so we're going to do a lot better if we do it like that. Like, yeah, let Batman have it. And then we're just going to take our spot here. Yeah. And uh, I actually thought it was something because of not only the Batman, but because of the Flash. Because the Flash uh, being... Uh, a very multiversal, multiverse type of concept where it's like you have two Barry Allens, you have another Supergirl. Well, you don't know if it's, well, we have a Supergirl, then we have another mm-hmm. Batman. Mm-hmm. And then, but yeah, it definitely feels like it was shifted around because of the Batman and because this is a standalone movie. And the last time DC had a standalone movie, which was Joker, it made a lot of money in the box office, like a billion, mm-hmm. like a billion dollars or something, like, or cl- like over a billion dollars, or at least mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So and, and also that Batman trailer stayed number one on trending for like three days in a row. Like when was the last time a DC trailer has been able to stay that high on the trending charts for so long? Yeah, and that's hard to do. It's like uh, Marvel's able to do it like maybe for a couple of days, and then you know, it goes goes turning like. And it goes into another thing where you just talked about uh, to me uh, a couple of, a couple of days ago, which was in short Jan news. Tom Holland says that uh, the next Spider-Man movie is his last. So short Jan, but the idea of Tom Holland playing Spider-Man and then suddenly saying, "Yeah, three movies, like three main movies, is my limit. I'm good." So. It's like it's like the same thing I heard Daniel Craig saying after I believe Skyfall, which was uh you know this is I believe my last movie or I think the last I think the next movie after this will be my last movie and stuff like that and then suddenly he does like another movie so it's like mm-hmm. so it's like and this well, and, and with, with Tom Holland I I know I was joking about this earlier with you but I I would not be surprised at all if Marvel told him You're, we're not going to bring you back for another movie just so they could basically keep him from spoiling the next one and then have him on thinking it's a different project altogether. They just put all the CG, like, you know, all the CGI, um, whatever, like, all the dots on him. And be like, oh, yeah, you don't worry, you're not playing Spider-Man. No, you're playing someone different altogether. This is an entirely different movie. And then he just, like, goes to the theater and watches it and is like, wait, wait, this is Spider-Man? I was Spider-Man? I, mean, <laughs> I would not be surprised if they did that just to keep him from spoiling. <laughs> I mean, Brie Larson had the same similar thing where she was filming uh, Avengers Infinity War or... or oh, Endgame, Endgame. In, in, in Endgame. Yeah, in Endgame, where it's like for the teaser, for the uh, stinger for Captain Marvel, is like she comes in and goes, "Where's Fury?" and and that was like her only line. She did not know what what was happening, all that stuff, and mm-hmm. no one else knew about everything. So I would imagine Marvel keeping everyone in the dark in the next, like, say, five years for the next half of a decade or so because of what what's been happening with Loki and what mm-hmm. if and then uh, WandaVision and you know. Probably going to be happening with uh, No Way Home, uh, the Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. something like that too. Where it's just like a lot of these things are just going to be uh, in Quantum Mania, where a lot of these things are just going to be connected to like one after another, after another, after another, mm-hmm. another. Exactly. And, and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, surprised, uh, you know, shocked if you know one day there's going to be a, a movie where it's like, oh yeah, um, we did not have a script, but like we had a script, but all the things that were, it was all blacked out. It was only the only thing that we saw in this script was just my, just our lines. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised there's got to be a day where it's like Marvel just emails the scripts, where it's just got to be like it's an entire black script, and then suddenly it's like this is your line, line, mm-hmm. line, line. We don't know what the direction is. Line, line. Mm-hmm. So. And and I think it's because uh, I think you know it, I think Marvel has been doing that for the past like ten years or so 
being more secretive because it, it was so easy to watch people. I mean, and it's still easy to watch people filming and stuff like that too. When it's a new, uh, a new, new thing being filmed, like mm-hmm. take, since The Last of Us is still being filmed right now, people are still taking pictures of uh, Pedro Pascal, Joel Miller, mm-hmm. uh, you know, showing things of the set and stuff like that mm-hmm. too. So, but. I think it's just more along the lines of... Well, I th- also, I think it's just, like, I mean, it's a new thing. I think, like, anytime you're going to have those outdoor shots, there's always going to be someone around trying yeah. to, you know, see what's going on. Regardless of if it's, like, some new thing or some established kind of thing, whatever. If you're outdoors, someone's going to try and get a picture, regardless. Yeah, I do agree. It was, like, even though you were joking before, I do agree. It's, like, maybe there will become a time where it's, like, Marvel would just send, like, a whole black script of... It, it, it'll literally just be a black script, and then suddenly it's, like, oh, here's, you know... Uh, Here, here's your line. Here's your line. No, not even your line. Just improvise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah... Uh, this whole week, oh, and um, yeah, this whole week, uh, this whole past weekend has been nothing but uh, a a great in uh, fan service, essentially to both DC and probably Marvel too, but mostly in, the, in this, mostly in, in the uh, DC. Uh, yeah, this this yeah, this was DC's week to shine, essentially. Yeah, and they and they shined bright. Oh yeah, and <laughs> especially since. Uh, you know they don't. They rarely get the chance to sign, even though they've been around more than like more longer than Marvel. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, like trying to remember if that Detective Comics was Detective Comics was around first. But yeah, anyway, well, uh, I think it would have been yeah, like Detective Comics and Action Comics were definitely before Marvels. Because I think Marvel only came about in the '60s, and then uh, Action and Detective were like late '30s, early '40s. Yeah, but yeah, it, it definitely feels like. This whole week was just like a great sign, time to a uh, great chance for DC to shine. And then as the week is rolling out, I was like, oh, we, we have a couple of Marvel news, especially with release dates uh, shifting out. And the next Marvel movie that's coming out is uh, inter- uh, in- uh, Internals, <laughs> which, you know, it has, I have yet to real, aside from the fact that, oh, it's like, uh, it's set after Endgame and it's about, a group of Eternals, like, literally coming into terms of, like, do we have to save, like, come into, like, we, I don't know about if there's, like, a, a real plot to it, because it's, like, it's being, it's a very secretive plot. Like, mm-hmm. I, aside from the fact that it's about a, a, a race of Eternals going to save Earth and stuff like that. Or, well, this, not that they're going to save Earth, it's that they've already been on Earth, and they've had, but that they basically just had to, like, stay in, like, stay in silence, stay in hiding, because there wasn't any particular big threat that warranted their specific requirements to go get involved. So I feel like this is going to be their, like, um, almost their, like, their hero's journey, or, like, coming yeah. into terms of, like, becoming heroes kind of journey. I want it to be, it's like, if somehow, if the the big bed of the Eternals happens to be something like Galactus, then, I'm, yeah, we can understand why that they've been mm-hmm. keeping it, uh, like... Well, I, I would be surprised too if it's like uh, one of the Kang Conqueror variants, so, yeah. Kang the Conqueror, like one of his many variants, like just like showing up, and then that could get them motivated to get involved because then like that maybe that could be the ending where he, you know, this variant of Kang the Conqueror says essentially gives away that he's not the only one that there are more of him out there. Yeah. So and yeah, Eternals. And that could just motivate the Eternals to be like, okay, well, guess we gotta keep doing this. We gotta keep heroing and keep being the heroes. Yeah. And of course, you know, Angelina Jolie and Samuel Hayek. Who could go wrong with that? I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, f- I feel like after once Eternals hits, like then that's when there'll probably be another trailer for No Way Home and then mm. stuff like that too. Even though and Doctor Strange will probably get a trailer oh, coming out. Yeah, and then by the time, actually, yeah, probably around the time Eternals comes out, because that's going to come out like what December? No, no, no. Uh, in a couple of weeks, actually. Uh, oh, okay. November 7th or the first week of November, which okay. is probably going to be, I believe. Oh, no, wait, it's, oh, right, it's, the, it's was it Spider-Man No Way Home that's December that I'm thinking of? Yeah. That's, okay, that, okay. No Way Home is December, like, right, close to Christmas, I believe, mm-hmm. or a week before Christmas, and uh, Eternals is either the first, either November 5th or November, or November 12th. And because the way movies are being scheduled, especially because of COVID and everything, it's like like I just got like I just got used to Shang Chi, and like now it's like I gotta get I gotta get ready for Eternals, and then suddenly No Way Home, and then suddenly uh and then suddenly there's no and then there's Hawkeye, and then suddenly there's like oh no more Hawkeye, and then suddenly there's um uh 
Miss, uh, uh, you know, Kamala Khan, and then suddenly it's like, oh, um, after Kamala Khan is um, Doctor Strange. Like, as a fan, honestly, as a fan and as an actor, I would love to be. As an actor, I would love to be on one of these sets and being in, in one of these type of uh, productions. But as a fan, I'm like, I kind of wanted to just dial back to like maybe two things, of, you know, two like two movies a year, and then three at most. If, but four is like, like really, really, you know, like I know. They had it like I know it. They had to essentially get everything done because of you know COVID and stuff like that too. Mm. But dial it down, back guys, come on. It's like there's only so much you know you could always you could watch without really going okay. Maybe they. Were... I mean, I think there's I think they're just making up for that year where they couldn't really give out a whole lot of content. Yeah, essentially. So, hopefully by 2022, 2023, they will go back to at least three. Uh, three films, like two or three films at most. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. I'm sorry. All right, Jen. All right. All right, y'all. That has been episode probably six, I believe, but that has been downstage with Hayden and uh, Brian or Brian and Hayden or however we, that's, that's been, that's been downstage for this week. Uh, Hayden, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, I got nothing other than the Batman is going to be awesome. And with that, uh, oh, and go and watch Howling Kills on Peacock. It's an amazing film, especially if you need something to watch for the spooky season. Uh, um, this is not a, not any way endorsed by Peacock. So <laughs> anyway, take care, everyone. Please be safe and be well. I'm back.